This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with me this afternoon. In a weird way, this kind of ties in with our conversation from yesterday. If you were with us yesterday, we just had a conversation about homelessness and what we do as a society to take care of those who are homeless. This, in a subtle way, is also talking about it because it's all about charity. Charity starts at the home. Is that what that saying is? Is that what that fridge magnet says? And it actually was a column in the National Post. Andrew Coyne. Didn't have a chance to talk to Andrew Coyne, but I always enjoy reading him in the National Post. And this sparked the topic. The whole question of whether we should take politics out of charity. And it goes back a ways because the uh, former conservative government had uh, put a number of charitable organizations, uh, they were being audited because there was this big question or suspicion of political activity for charitable organizations. And um, now with the liberal government, the liberal government has suspended all those remaining audits on these charitable organizations. And you can read the whole column to find out maybe the reasons why. But Mr. Coyne puts it to us as to why should donations to charity be tax free in the first place? You wouldn't even have to question whether a charity is... Um, being involved in political or non-political activities because who cares? There's no skin in the game from a taxpayer's viewpoint because when people give to charities, they get a tax credit and then suddenly you're talking about tax dollars that we're not getting because there's a tax credit. So that, that whole conversation about why do we allow charities to have charitable tax donations in the first place? Shouldn't you or I just give to a charity out of the goodness of our hearts? You often hear of really rich philanthropists, thank goodness for them, but let me just go down this road, that they make huge donations and people say, wow, isn't that great? But then the cynics in us say, yeah, it's great, but they're also getting huge tax breaks or tax credits because of that. So I'm throwing it out to you, and I want to hear from you, 403-974-8255. Do you give to a charity whether or not you'd receive a tax credit? Doesn't matter. You would still give to that charity. And to start us off on this conversation is Dr. Peter Elson, Senior Research Fellow at Mount Royal University's Institute for Community Prosperity, formerly the Institute for Nonprofit Studies. Dr. Elson, thanks so much for joining us today. You're very welcome, Angela. I have a feeling you would give to a charity with or without a credit. I would, yes, and, and many people do. And that's good to hear. Why don't we talk about how, has it, has it been since the dawn of time or once a charity was formed that the, the government saw this as a way of encouraging donations to have tax credits? Can you give me any history on that? Sure. Uh, actually, uh, this month in uh, 1932, uh, the uh, the federal government passed the very first amendment to the War Measures Act, or the uh, War Income Tax Act, um, that established charities. And in fact, it was called the, the Bible Budget because uh, they allowed a 10% uh, ceiling on donations to charities. And you can appreciate that in 1932, uh, we were in the middle of a depression. 
mm-hmm. and so it became a major incentive um, that the government put into place to um, uh, for people to uh, donate to uh, to charities uh, because basically the governments were federal and provincial were virtually bankrupt and couldn't uh, supply all the needs for people at the local level uh, the food banks and the uh, the work teams and everything else that people need to do so that's where it started was in 1932 that's really interesting so this was an opportunity for the government to say you know we can no longer do all this but we want to do the best to help charities get off the ground and increase encourage people to make to make donations to those charities then that's right and in fact the government also established so it, in such a way that you can't set up a charity to do anything you like there are very specific uh, guidelines as to what you can set up a charity to do, and that is established by the government. So unlike a corporation, a private company, whereas you can set something, any company you like up to do something which is legal, from a charity point of view, you can't. The government uh, has the final jurisdiction or the decision over whether, in fact, uh, what you do is charitable or not. And I know we don't have enough time to go into all those details, but could you give kind of a basic framework of how you define what a charity is? Sure. Charity operates under what's called four pillars to relief of poverty, uh, not the the prevention of poverty, the uh, relief of poverty, Mm -hmm. religion, education, and benefits to the community. Those are the four pillars. Because, and I I won't get into the politics with you, but some of this is uh, there's big questions about charities that form and they might be under the umbrella of an environmental group and they have their own agenda. So that's sort of where this whole conversation that Andrew Coyne put into his column anyway. But I guess that still could be, I could say I'm an environmental charity because it's the benefits of the community. Was that the last one you mentioned for the pillars? Yes. So I guess that would work. So as long yeah, as... And in that, even in, within that context, there, there would still need to be particular ones. I mean, Andrew says, take the politics out of charity. Mm-hmm. I would turn it around and say, I'd like to see more politics in charity because uh, my research has found that less than one half of 1% of, one char- of charities are actually engaged in any form of political activity at all. Um, so they're they're not nearly as active as, in fact, the terms allow them to be, uh, as it even exists now. So what do you think the benefit of putting more, you're saying, so put politics into charity or put more politics into charity? Well, I think the idea that um, the, vo- the voices of charities is a legitimate voice in society. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to remember, for example, that, you know, uh, I mean, Andrew points out the idea that, for example, where the taxpayer is subsidizing charities to engage in political activity. First of all, very few of them do. Um, a lot of activities that charities are engaged in are policy activities. So if I, if I have a study and I release a report and I let the media know about it, that's not political activity. That's that's simply informing the, poli- the the public about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Only only if I am making a specific um, request or a demand that the, that a particular government take action in a particular fashion or encourage others to tell the government to do it, does it become political? But I wonder, uh, Peter. And he- there are other there are other okay. aspects of that which are in fact illegal. So, for example, um, if a party run has a fundraising event. Um, as a charity, it's illegal for me to buy a ticket to that event. It's illegal for you? 
yeah, as a charity, as a to ch- buy a ticket to a party that has a fundraising event. A political fundraiser, yes. In any, any partisan political activities, directly or indirectly whatsoever. And so if we... Okay, so I think what, uh, what I was taking from Andrew's comment, though, is the fact that there is this charitable tax credit, yep. that means that tax dollars uh, aren't going... I'm getting a tax break because I'm making that donation. So that costs all of us in a way because um, I'm not paying as much taxes. I'm able to give it to a charity. So what I'm understanding is let's just forget about the tax credit. Let those charities do whatever they want. They can publish as many policy papers as they want. They can um, take out as many political ads as possible because there's no skin in the game from a taxpayer's point of view. Well, there is and there isn't. For example, let's take an example of a well-known charity such as um, a uh, hospital mm-hmm. or a university. Yeah. And the uh, hospital, for example, will do a campaign to raise funds for a new wing, for example. Mm-hmm. They may get some money from government, but they'll get also get money from donations. Right. If the tax incentive went away... Um, now, I'm not, like you say, yeah. <laughs> if, if, you, if you ask people what are the five main reasons why you give, mm-hmm. the tax incentive is probably number five of those five reasons. But on the other hand, um, if I was giving a tax credit, let's say, of 17% on the dollar, um, then there's that, the rest of that money, which is from that private person, which is going to that charity, that otherwise... Um, would would need to be done by the uh, by the people would be asking the government to do that. Okay, so in fact, yeah. it's, it, it's a similar analogy to why it started in mm. 1932. Yeah. Is yeah. that in fact, um, you know, the it provides an incentive for people to contribute to funds. As I said, I think the political aspect of it is a bit of a red herring. But in terms of you know donation to charity, um, then the majority of that is in fact a blend of both public yeah. money and private. Peter, hold on here. Um, speaking of money, I got to roll some commercials here to pay for my salary. Dr. Peter Elson, he is a senior research fellow at Mount Royal University's Institute for Community Prosperity. And uh, definitely I'm going to take some phone calls and I want to get some texts as well. 403-974-8255. And, and Peter even put it out the same way I want to put it out. You know, if there's the five reasons why you give, where would the idea of the tax credit fall? Or does it matter? No, I don't even care. I would give regardless. We are talking about charities and taxes after this. Talking about uh, charitable tax credits, uh, Dr. Peter Elson, Senior Research Fellow at Mount Royal University's Institute for Community Prosperity. And of course, Peter, a number of my texters are pointing out that they'd never get rid of the tax credit, especially when it comes to political donations for tax credits. So uh, that's a whole other conversation when it comes to tax credits when you donate to political parties. Yes, it is. That is a different charity altogether. But I want to go back to the the charities. And as we talk about whether or not there should still be this tax credit and and continue where you were uh, talking about just before we took a break, though, because you're saying in a sense, yes, some people may say that uh, it's it's a tax credit. But if those donations weren't being made, then governments would have to pay more and it would still come from the tax dollars then. Is that what you're suggesting? Exactly, yes. But what if I'm still making those donations just out of the goodness of my heart? And you're saying that if those donations aren't made, then we're going to have to dip into the government coffers. So it almost sounds like people probably give because they're going to get a credit. 
Well, yes, I mean, you have to appreciate the fact that 85% of nonprofits and charities in Canada are, uh, their purpose is to deliver some form of bis- uh, public service, mm-hmm. such as hospitals, universities, colleges. Um, those are all charities. So the idea that you could divide one away from the other is long gone. I mean, it's it's really a, a blend. And we've always done that in Canada. We've always had basically a, an interdependent relationship between the charitable sector and government. And in many cases, and Calgary is a really good example of where Mount Royal College, other colleges, were all uh, charities as uh, faith-based uh, colleges uh, before uh, governments uh, got into the uh, business, as it were, of uh, education at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, hospitals were founded by faith organizations and charities before um, uh, before the government was involved. It was really only after the Second World War that government started to invest heavily in the provision of public services. Before that, charities did the major lifting the as far as provision of all of those services. Do you think, though, some charities have given all charities a black eye? Because I'm also getting texts from people saying, I don't trust where my dollars are going. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, is that, well, it, yeah, is that it, something that all charities have to do a better job of showing where their dollars, tax-free or not, or tax credit or not, are going? Yes, I think so. Um, and I think that uh, certainly, I mean, and the Canada Revenue Agency encourages people, you can go right onto their uh, website on the section that says uh, um, charitable giving, and you can look up in their search engine any charity at all, and you can get their financial statements and a variety of other things. But more and more charities are putting that. Momentum is a really good example of a charity in Calgary that is really uh, upfront and very explicit and provides you know a financial profile virtually on the, the front page of their website you know so uh, more and more uh, organizations are doing that and it's, it's a reflection of the fact of the, of the quality and the kind of uh, the caliber of the work that they do and Peter when we go back to the whole you know you said what defines a charity and you talked about the four pillars of course th- then we've got to look at the financial side of things which we're touching on here yeah. and and I mean your organization uh, the institute used to be Institute for nonprofit studies yep. so nonprofit slash charities and I always understood that to be that whatever money you're bringing in you better be spending it to show that there's no profit is that too simplistic of a definition no, I mean basically, if there's money that's received within a particular period of time, eighty uh, percent of that money has to be spent. Um, there are obviously provisions for putting money aside, uh, for you know, building up capital, yeah. or if you're going to be doing something major or so forth. But uh, yes, there is a provision for that. Does there have to be a certain percentage for salaries and a certain percentage for frontline services then? Um, and I know it, every charity is different, it, 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 but I'm, I'm trying to think of it. Yeah. Before the the organizations that are in the service business, for example, providing uh, child care services, or they're providing um, uh, foster care programs, yeah. or um, um, things like that. 
on average, maybe 70 or 85 percent of the uh, the expenditures go into actual frontline service work. But yeah. it does vary, obviously, on what kind of a charity it is and, and the extent to which they're providing services. I think what gets people's ire is that they hear of the CEO of some major charity uh, taking home a $1 million in salary, and that's where people say, wait, where's my my dollars going then? And that's why you've got to know which chari- charity you're giving to then. Yes, and that kind of information is readily available. The, the, every char- every charity in Canada, as opposed to other countries, um, has to file what's called a T3010, which is uh, basically uh, the charity's form of an income tax return. And that's all publicly public information. And uh, the number of people and their sal- the, the top salary ranges and so forth and their management and so forth are there for people to see. And, and the percentage overall... Um, I, um, you know, is available too. I think the caveat you have to think about in that is that you need to you need to be able to spend enough on administration to make sure that the the charity itself is being well administered. Yeah. That is, that they in fact have the controls in place to manage their funds well. The drive to the bottom can mean in some cases that they don't have enough money in administration to, to, to monitor that. And, and so you have to be really careful about that kind of a balance. If, if, a, if, a, if, a, if a charity um, was spending virtually nothing on administration, I'd be more concerned than if they were spending you know, 15 or 18 percent on administration. And then can we just finish off when you throw in a percent there? Does the tax credit vary? I'm trying to even remember. What, what is yep. my tax credit on? Does it depend on what the charity is or if it's a political party? What, what's your credit? Uh, no, not at all. There's a, there's a threshold. Uh, there's a sort of a two threshold over, I think it's about 17% for okay. up to a certain ceiling. And then it's a slightly less overall yeah. uh, in terms of the donation from that perspective. Uh, but you also have to appreciate the fact that if, from a political perspective, Corporations can write off their their lobby activities and get a hundred percent of a tax benefit from their activity. Yeah, yeah, that's good, Peter. Thanks for starting the conversation. Really appreciate it. Okay, thank you, Dr. Peter Elson. He is with the uh, MRU's Institute for Community Prosperity. So that's his perspective on it. And as I said, uh, nationalpost.com has Andrew Coyne's column. But but I just thought it was um, a good launch point when it comes to charities and whether or not we should receive a tax credit. If they got rid of charitable tax donations, you know that obviously it would hurt charities. But would it change the way you give? Let's talk about that after this. 403-974-8255. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.